0: Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK.
1: And I'm Muhammad, and I'm in the US.
0: And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to another episode of Slow Pit Stop. My name is Arafat, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Muhammad. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? But today we have a very special guest, uh, a Twitter celebrity, in fact, Damon Hill's best friend, Jordan. (laughs)
1: Hi
0: everyone, Uh, pleasure to be here, thanks for having me. Jordan, how have you been?
2: Uh, Really good, yeah. Uh, I mean it's been a crazy month. Well, last month was very crazy, as you know, uh, with all that happened on Twitter and everything.
0: Yeah, so for for anyone that isn't on Twitter, because we do do have some listeners from other corners of the internet, why don't you quickly let them know what happened with you? (laughs)
2: Yeah, so obviously we've all been very upset about what happened in Abu Dhabi and I've been like um, putting information out there and leading the sort of charge to get the FIA to admit to their wrongdoings and stuff. And uh, obviously I found this radio uh, conversation that was kind of hidden away on YouTube and some video that wasn't very very well watched and on F1 TV and just put it out there on Twitter because I'd never heard it. And uh, like a lot of people reached out to me and said they never heard it as well. And it kind of changed the whole narrative around how Michael Massey was basically coerced by Red Bull into um, making the decision that he did. And uh, that video basically went very viral and uh, got a ton of um, media coverage. Uh, it was covered by Sky Sports and BBC Sport. Uh, Andrew Benson covered it. Um, and then it was in the major newspapers like The Sun and The Telegraph and all of that and, and some other uh, F1 publications. And, uh, yeah, I got a spicy response from uh, Damon Hill. He picked it up <laughs> and he was like, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> sorry to burst your balloon, but this isn't new. Um, kind of, <laughs> kind of glossing over the fact that uh, most people hadn't heard it before. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, that was a whirlwind of uh, um, a day. when that happened.
0: But I totally understand why lots of people hadn't heard it before because Muhammad probably is the same. But I know at the end of the season, you know, you watch highlights, you watch drive to survive you watch whatever you you look back at things whereas this year it's totally different mood yeah i've I've not been interested in watching all stuff actually the only stuff i have been watching is bizarrely stuff from like the 80s like stuff that i (laughs) knew nothing about just because it's so different um but yeah i I hadn't seen any of the stuff until you posted it and then suddenly i saw damon hill talking to you and i thought oh (laughs) this this is interesting (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's it's
1: quite crazy how much of a splash that video made that you sort of unearthed because like even you said in your post this isn't a new video this was like published by the FIA like three weeks ago or whatever and yet like for, I, I don't think anyone had seen it because it was like a new video to everyone who was watching it and it was huge everyone was talking about it so did you get yeah. a lot of hate for that on Twitter uh, from yeah. The... oh yeah, yeah how yeah. was that
2: uh well I mean I ignored most of it um I've been getting a lot of it I think most of team Lewis Hamilton had be getting it from the other side hmm. basically all over the winter and you just got used to it and kind of like ignoring it um because you know at the end of the day like when you, at the moment you witnessed it happen you knew straight away that something very wrong had happened and yeah. you yeah. know I think I think everyone knows that it's just that they're they're more willing to look over it because of you know they mm-hmm. got the result they wanted but you know, everyone really deep down knows it was wrong what happened. I think yeah, so. Absolutely. Um, you uh, you just ignore that and yeah, do what you what say what you think is right.
1: Are you content with whatever the FIA has done thus far, especially since your video uh, came out?
2: No, because obviously, our, my main uh, thing that I want to see was Michael Massey being replaced because I think mm-hmm. the you know not just Abi Dabby, he was uh, a problem. It was basically all season. And mm-hmm. I think the race direction was going very much in the wrong direction. Um, but they mm. they sort of removed him without properly addressing the situation, Abu Dhabi. They were like, mm. After a review, we have done this. But obviously there's the report that's due out um, during the, the race at the weekend. So hopefully that addresses um, the concerns we have where they actually admit that, okay, mm-hmm. we got it wrong. And, you know, this is how we're going to deal with the situation from now on and, we shouldn't have done this with the
0: safety car because they, they didn't properly acknowledge that, in my opinion. Do you know what my worry is with the FIA and this report and all of these things? So, Because a lot of people, in terms of Massey's leadership and things, have been talking about how you know oh, things were better under Charlie Whiting and all these sort of things. And I appreciate Charlie Whiting was a very, very good race director. And I think part of the problem is trying to find Charlie's replacement. And, you know, you yeah. look at um, for- Formula One, you know, there, there were big names in the past, Frank Williams, Ron Dennis, you know, b- big characters like this. And But you look at McLaren's leadership structure now, since Ron Dennis has gone, it's not, you know, they've not tried to find the new Ron Dennis. They've got a modern leadership structure. They've got Zach Brown, Andreas Seidel. They've got all these sort of things. And yeah, my worry is, the FIA rather than recognizing actually the answer isn't to find the new Charlie Whiting it's to have a modernized leadership structure in the race director thing which I think they're trying to do with the two race directors and the the off-site video refereeing and things but I worry we're headed into like the McLaren Honda years of (laughs) the FIA before we eventually see the light at the end of the tunnel.
2: Yeah, you mean like uh, they got to get used to the new structures they are put in place and things and yeah, yeah things won't won't gel. Um, Yeah, I can definitely see the argument. However, I would say that uh, Freitas as race director, although he is being rotated, in my opinion, that was who I wanted to see because he mm-hmm. has got such a good reputation in the World Endurance Championship. And, you know, the thing about Massey was that I think he was too friendly with the teams and he had uh, relationships with them and he felt like he needed to keep them happy and stuff. Mm-hmm. whereas Freitas as a, a race director is dictatorial like it you'll just you'll just see on the timing screens oh, like a five-second penalty for this car five-second like penalty for this car they won't get told it on the radio it'll just come up <laughs> on the screens and they will know straight away that you know they've been penalized and there's nothing to argue against because it's happened and that's just I, of- I saw
0: an article that it there's an interview or he'd written it or something he's I think he said with regards to track limits and all of these things the only thing he cares about is safety yeah, and if at the end of the race all 20 drivers go home safe, that's all he cares about. He's not there to put on a good show.
2: Yeah. Exactly, and that's exactly what we needed because I think that's what the FIA uh, got tripped upon in, uh, in Abu Dhabi and throughout uh, last season.
0: But speaking of putting on a good show, how have you been enjoying testing? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I was a bit uh, skeptical
2: that we'd, uh, with these new regulations, that we'd see. 20 cars that looked exactly the same, but that's not <laughs> been the case at all. I mean, it's no. been fantastic. And, uh, yeah, we've had some really interesting innovations and, uh, there is still a natural pecking order with the big three teams and, and the midfield. Um, and yeah, it's not, it's not just a spec series at the moment, like everyone feared. So, um, mm-hmm. there's still plenty of technical
0: uh, content to for people to get excited over. So our listeners, who have listened to previous episodes will know that with regards to the technical side of Formula One, aerodynamics, mechanical, strategy, all of these very, very important things, Mohamed and I are very, very ignorant and have Mm -hmm. no idea what is going on, uh, which is why Jordan is here, because we're going to go through a couple of things with him. We're going to start with our favorite team, Mercedes. We'll talk about Red Bull, Ferrari, and then probably lead on to a few of the other teams, depending on how much time we have. So, Mohammed, do you want to start off with Mercedes?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Jordan put it really well. He said we thought it was going to be a spec series, but these cars are very different. They're so different, in fact, that uh, Ferrari has the widest side pods and Mercedes has no side pods. So I think that was kind of the the headline going into the Bahrain testing was Mercedes has unveiled a car without side pods. And as blockbuster as that was, I don't really know what it means. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you, Jordan, what what is the significance of the new chassis that Mercedes has brought to Bahrain without the side pods?
2: Uh, Well, obviously, um, typically you look at that and you think that's a low drag sort of concept because they've removed a massive surface from the front of the car that Mm -hmm. Ferrari have got. Um, So if they can manage to generate the downforce, in the same way the other teams can. I mean, their floor looks a bit basic at the moment, but I'm sure there are parts under the floor that we can't see and things. Mm-hmm. Um, then, in theory, there'll be a significant drag advantage. And that's why they've designed this really sleek car at the back, because the, le- the, the thinner you can get the rear of the car, in theory, the, the better your uh, drag coefficient. And top speed is going to be really important, I think, with these new regulations. Um, mm. Typically, last season and the season before, the way the cars were designed is that teams uh, just kind of went down a route of downforce at all costs. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's known as sort of like dirty downforce. And what that means is the downforce that you're generating, um, because of all these massive uh, barge boards and air deflectors we had around the side of the car, you're generating a lot of drag out of that. And the way to be Mm -hmm. fast was just put downforce on at all costs, even if it made your car a bit draggy. Um, Mm Whereas this new Venturi tunnel ground effect-based car uh, lends itself more to much more aerodynamically efficient methods of generating the downforce. So this is clean downforce where you want to get as little drag as possible to get the top speed up um, because um, the, the ways in which they can generate downforce over the other teams is quite limited because they don't have mm-hmm. these uh, areas now to um, do really complex um, air control and stuff. So, um, yeah, my, my thoughts is that uh, aerodynamically, they're looking at getting this car as uh, little drag as possible. And, and that's the solution they found uh, is to uh, slim and trim down these side pods as much as they can. Uh,
1: and how have they done that exactly? How have they you know managed to take all the stuff in the side pods and and get rid of them so that they have no side pods
2: well uh it's all uh tricks and the engine cooling essentially so apparently they've worked with uh, i don't know why pat simmons leaked this information and whether (laughs) mercedes were happy with it but they leaked the information that they've been working with a a rocket technology company uh, based very close to mercedes in brackley um, to generate a a very very efficient intercooler um, which uh, and radiator which sits uh, in the central part of the car uh, and basically, they've been able to move uh, that all the cooling to that part of the car, which leaves the the side pod area completely empty. Um, and there was an image that surfaced where you can see how much free space there now is down that part of the car, um, because uh, they're managing to cool the engine um, internally without needing uh, all this air flowing through the side pods. Um, so, some really smart work uh, from HPP, really to. Um, to build an engine that um, is insanely well packaged, insanely well cooled, and um, will no doubt probably be
0: the most powerful engine in the field again. So my question about how Mercedes showed up with this package in Bahrain, they, they didn't have it at Barcelona. You know, is the Barcelona test a bit of a waste because they're, they're basically driving around in, a car yeah. that's nothing like the one they're going to be racing. So interestingly, I, I have seen some information,
2: and I've yet to fully confirm whether it's true or not. That Mercedes actually did some running with the new side pods uh, on the final days of Barcelona. Hmm. So there may, there may, it may not be that um, data they collected in Barcelona was fully uh, misaligned. Um, but generally speaking. Um, Mercedes has done this before. They did in 2019. If you bring an older version of your car um, to a test, you still know what you've changed in that period of time. Um, so you can you can still validate the baseline would align with what you would expect for that period of time. Uh, you're, you're kind of validating your correlation um, of the on the racetrack with your simulator, and if it aligns up, then you know that anything you've done in the future is likely to be. Um, equally as valid Um, and the data they can get from stuff like the mechanical um, side of the car so how the
1: suspensions work and things like that is all still useful information. All right so let's take a couple steps back because I'm pretty new to winter testing like I generally never paid attention to it I just you know watched the first race but last year is when I first started watching winter testing because the Mercedes was struggling yeah and uh, this year that's kind of the rumor again, is that Mercedes is struggling. And the the reason everyone's saying that is because of statements that Lewis and George have made that, you know, we're not quite up to to speed. We're not going to fight for wins. But also when you look at the timing sheets, Lewis's P8, you know, George's P6, like they're not topping the timing sheets. Not really. What exactly has been going on with the Mercedes program in the Bahrain testing? Have they just been looking at performance? Have they been, pushing the boundaries are they really sandbagging the way all the other teams say that oh yeah they're sandbagging the sandbag every year w- what what happened with the mercedes program this behind test
2: so i think generally every every test i've ever watched mercedes um they do run around full of fuel and engine mode turned down not not deliberately to missy the competition but because they are their plan and generally how they design the car is around the race pace and they want to mm-hmm. just learn how the car behaves in in race conditions they're not interested in low fuel running obviously teams can use gps traces to see Mm -hmm. the acceleration differences and what it would have been last year and what it is now and things and you can use that to sort of estimate um what would happen if they took all the fuel out and Mm -hmm. um turn the engine up and i think obviously you can also clearly see with the pulsing issues that um mercedes are having with the driver's heads going up and down all over the place, Uh, they do have genuine issues. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would say right now it's a mixture of both. Um, Mm -hmm. There's definitely 100% more performance to come. Obviously, we haven't seen the the full extent of the car. And they're going to be in the top three teams again easily, in my opinion. One thing that's been pointed out is that because Mercedes had really significant porpoising issues in Barcelona, they wanted to um, fully focus Bahrain on that issue because what the top teams will want to do is instead of just raising the ride height a little bit so the car handling improves, they want to keep the ride height as low as possible because then they're going to have as much downforce as possible. And that's going to be the way that you're going to, you know, eventually win races. So I, I think there's a little bit of... Um, they were they, they were purposely not running optimal setups as well because they wanted to actually see whether they could address this purposing issue um and collecting data you know specifically while they were struggling with it to possibly design a new floor or something for the first race
1: so on that note do you think the porpoising issue is the issue that the mercedes is facing right now or is there something else going on okay i think i think
2: i think what it is is um the car is generating really good downforce uh through the uh tracers um pretty much all the top three teams seems to be currently uh almost identical on on cornering performance and Mercedes Mm -hmm. have a bit of an advantage in slow speed corners I think primarily the drivability is currently the issue which is holding them back
1: have you seen the reports that Mercedes are bringing a new floor with them to Bahrain next week for the race that is supposed to solve this purposing issue
2: yeah yeah so I have so uh obviously it's just a rumor and um it's entirely possible but it would be quite ambitious to had that floor ready, assuming that they decided to do it in Bahrain, but maybe mm-hmm. they were they already had it in design in Barcelona, you never know. Mm-hmm. And the first team who really cracks that, I mean, I still think all the other teams are are experiencing it in some form. Um, like I saw an image of the, the Red Bull, and the Red Bull did seem quite high to the ground in some shots, even though they're they looking pretty fast. Um, I think once teams figure it out. And they can literally drop the ride height flat to the floor um th- that will be the the team that goes forward and uh wins a few races how do you think the red bull is doing otherwise uh well so they had a really really quiet initial test and everyone was like i don't know where red bull are because they seem to be um in no in no man's land really and that carried on through pretty much um the first two days of bahrain until they Uh, brought that new upgrade package. And from what it seems that new upgrade package um, solved uh, big problems they were having with um, handling in slow speed corners. And that's partially maybe because um, that upgrade package was apparently focused on weight reduction and uh, the heavier cars will be uh, really bad to drive in, in slow speed corners. And so it's possible that they did get a lot of the weight down with that upgrade package. Apparently, they were like 10 or 15 kilos overweight at some point. And that instantly bought them some lap time. And it looks actually now that they're right up there, um, if not maybe even ahead of Ferrari, actually, um, in some um, in some estimations I've seen. So I think Red Bull have had um, a quiet test that in, in the end turned out to be really su- successful because they...
1: Um, they bought a really, really potent upgrade package. So that upgrade package included the new uh, side pods that everybody yep. was taking pictures of. But the, the only purpose really of those side pods was just weight reduction or are they doing something else with the aerodynamics? Uh,
2: I think partially weight reduction, but also um, there will be some aerodynamic improvements uh, in that design. I think though the Red Bull one, there, there's probably a lot more that we haven't seen uh, under the hood that uh, is also given them this big leap in performance. Hmm.
1: So one of the teams that's kind of, I guess you you could say had the the easiest, cleanest uh, testing has been Ferrari. It's interesting that you say you think Red Bull has inched ahead of Ferrari because for a while, everybody was looking at Ferrari and saying, you know, they've, you know, they're the kings of this testing. They are the fastest car. They have no issues. They solved their porpoising issue early on. Everything is all good. What do you make of that? Do you think Ferrari really is at the top right now?
2: Uh, I think it will be neck and neck between Red Bull and Ferrari currently. I think they're they're pretty close together. Um, I think Ferrari have got a very, very good package um, to start the season off, which has traditionally been their, their struggles in recent years. Uh, the, the power unit of the Ferrari uh, is the big question mark for me because they've been raving about it all winter, saying that they've got as much power as Mercedes had last season now, if not more. So if that engine is, you know, as good as they say it is, um, that could be the, the key difference which gets them into the title fight and, and starts winning them races uh, because, um, you know, crucially, it sounds like Honda haven't had uh, as success, as successful winter as the other teams. Um, and the Honda engine is, is more of an evolution of last year than a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that's certainly what it sounds like from the outside anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to ask, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, Red Bull spent all of last year developing their car last year. And, you know, Mercedes pretty early on said, we're going to switch over yeah. to 2022 development. So how have Red Bull been able to keep up with the top three teams and even potentially have the fastest car right now?
2: Yeah, well, that's kind of the disappointing thing for me is I, I, I was hoping that because Mercedes um wrote off last season pretty early that they'd come with an advantage um, early on. And all these issues that teams are facing uh, wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't be faced with. But I think the, the problem with the the porpoising issue is mostly that no, literally nobody's simulator predicted this because hmm. um, the sort of forces that uh, are happening and the, the physics in real life isn't, um, isn't, accounted for in their models. And it's just an oversight, uh, generally, um, because we haven't had ground effect cars for a long time. So mm-hmm. it's hard to say that Mercedes could have foreseen that, but, mm-hmm. uh, how they've done it. I, I don't, I don't, I guess, you know, they have a very, very competent technical lead in Adrian Neary, who has a lot of, um, experience with ground effect. They, uh, so, so that would be one part of it. Another part you could say is that they've got a major upgrade package in early, and possibly the other two teams uh, have something in the pipeline still. Mm-hmm. I, I look at the Mercedes floor and how simple it is, like I said, and can't help but wonder if they're going to ha- spring a surprise in at least the opening races on us. With some, like, what, once they fix the purposing issue, they're like, okay, now we know the main part of the car is fine. We're going to yeah. really start ramping up our development and then bring in yeah. another package or something that they've got over the winter. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the first few races are going to be, hopefully, a, a very, very fast-moving development race um, where we mm-hmm. see lots
0: of change. As someone who doesn't understand anything about the engineering side of things, can I tell you my my random thoughts? And you tell me if I'm yeah. way off the mark or things. But my feeling is, like you said, Adrian Newey, the entire Red Bull operation, very, very competent, You know, very good people that have put together a very good car. I think Mercedes have taken that time away and come up with something radical, but have not been able to refine it yet. And so I think they're going to need that extra time, but once they crack it, they potentially have something that is better on their hands. Yeah. And there's a little bit of me that, in the meantime, hopes Ferrari is fast just so that you know they minimise the number of points Max and Sergio are getting until Mercedes sort their act out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll wish for this now. And what will end up happening is signs will win the championship because Ferrari are fast all year. But in my head, I, I think by the end, it'll still come down to Mercedes versus Red Bull. And I think yeah. you know Ferrari can take away as many points at this end of the season. It'll help Mercedes out. Well I mean you just look at what Mercedes managed to do last year despite the
2: fact they weren't fully focused on it. I mean, they still took in the last four races they completely wiped the floor with Red Bull cuz they still found a way, you know, even if they weren't working on the aerodynamic part, they still found a way to boost that engine and and bring the fight. So I would always have full faith in in the Mercedes engineering team to um definitely challenge for the championship and win races and and be involved in it. And, and yeah, I think Ferrari um, winning a few races early on would be a very interesting um, dynamic that we haven't seen for a long time, and and I hope so too, uh, just to keep things interesting. I would say that uh, Mercedes, as an engineering outfit, is it's a massive strength in depth, whereas whereas Red Bull is like uh, very competent people uh, in and and well known people in in high positions. Mercedes is more of a, a kind of a brute force approach of we have so many fantastic engineers you know they don't have uh the big name um sort of branding that Red Bull engineers do but they together it's a a massive engineering team that can they can just put together a task force when they need to sort out a problem and and all the minds together will always come up with a solution and
0: um uh-huh, interesting it's the opposite of us we're incompetent and we have no strength in depth either <laughs> that's not true that's not true <laughs> but so i think i think we're all on the same page that we we think we're going to see mercedes cars winning red bull winning yeah ferrari winning what about mclaren do you think they could sneak a few wins in this year um yeah i mean
2: definitely the um the chances there to pick up the pieces i think whenever whenever the top three trip up, I don't think they'll challenge on the basis of being able to, you know, outright turn up on a weekend and just dominate it and just, just pick up the win on merit. I think they'll have to rely on mistakes from the top three teams. And obviously we saw that last season as well. Uh, But obviously McLaren have had a a very difficult um, second test. It's very promising um, the first time out and, and, the the pace actually looked quite good, but then this brake issue suddenly emerged, and I think hmm. that is going to hold them back for a while. Um, and the, yeah, so,
1: tell us about the brake issue exactly. What what happened with their front brakes?
2: Yeah, so uh, they're having basically overheating problems. They can't run the hmm. for more than ten or eleven laps at the moment uh, without the brakes getting to a point where they're going to catch on fire. Uh, so. Uh, whatever cooling pieces they've got down there they're just not working as as they expected and uh, they're really scrambling for a solution to build a new um, brake assembly uh, that has the same aerodynamic performance um, but doesn't um, overheat itself or toast itself Uh, and uh, that is a very difficult thing to do uh, with the amount of time they've got but Mm -hmm. if there's any any engineers that are Capable of doing it, it'll be Formula One engineers. Mm-hmm. Do do have you heard
1: that they're bringing a new set of brakes to Bahrain?
2: Uh, I hadn't heard that, but uh that's good. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me. So hopefully it works for them.
1: Yeah,
0: and obviously Daniel Ricardo has missed out on yeah. testing because of contracting COVID. And I don't. Know, I, we talk about Formula One and all of this stuff. But the number one priority is obviously health, and. We hope he gets better very, very soon. Yeah. Um, but how is this going to affect? I, I remember last year because he had limited testing time and he was struggling to get used to McLaren. Someone said it's it's like, you know, being a rock star, but only getting to practice when you're on stage in front yeah. of everybody else. How, do you think this is going to affect him hard, or will he be able to? I think recover from it quite quickly. It was the worst timing because.
2: Um... If it was any other year, then you could say, okay, yeah, it'll be fine. But these new cars demand a very different way of driving. We've already heard Mm. that from quite a few of the drivers and he's not really got an experience of that. Um, So he's obviously going to have some time in free practice, hopefully, to to do so uh, if he manages to make it. But generally it will be a tough race for him or a tough set of opening races, I think, um, because you can't account for that sort of mileage um, uh, that that his teammate has got in the same car, especially when uh, it demands a new sort of driving style. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, given his struggles last year, it's not ideal at all.
1: Do you think it'll negatively affect uh, McLaren's own testing program to not have... Daniel behind the wheel and just have Lando the entire weekend, or no,
2: not really? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Not from a technical perspective, because I think most Mm -hmm. of the teams come with like a set program, a list of things they, they want Mm -hmm. from the test. Like we'll do this aerodynamic test. Now we'll do this, now Mm -hmm. we'll do this, we'll run this. And Lando was, you know, getting through that. So, uh, well, he was getting through that, but obviously the brakes held them back. So I think that's the bigger issue really, uh, not the driving situation.
1: So, kind of on that note, Arfa and I were talking about this last week uh, on the the last episode. You know, when we look at these tests, what should what benchmarks should we look at to indicate a successful test? Is it, you know, top of the timing sheet? Is it how many laps they were able to complete? You know, what are kind of some of the hints that we we want to look at?
2: Uh, generally, I'd say uh, reliability. Mm-hmm. If you can if you can finish the first race, um, that's a pretty good start to the season. Uh, mm-hmm. Any any sort of per- performance can massively swing from race to race in the first of mm-hmm. the races. Uh, we saw last year, for example, how Mercedes basically uh, went from being behind Red Bull to, to completely transforming their car in one race in Silverstone, or the way mm-hmm. Ferrari completely overhauled McLaren during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 23 race season. I don't think you need to be the fastest team at this moment in time. I say if you mm-hmm. if you're some way off or clearly in the midfield you're not going to be dreaming in the championship but uh the the most important thing for me is the reliability initially because if you can't mm-hmm. um if you're not sure you're going to last the first race things get uh quite scary and uh on that on that point um I think Matteo Benotto said that actually the porpoising issue can be seen as kind of a reliability issue because if some of these teams mm. have this during the race it can get so bad that it starts to damage the internals of the car and the bodywork and even the engine uh, components. So, finishing the race um, might be one of the things in Bahrain that we have to look out mm-hmm. for because if some teams get it wrong with their setup and suddenly during the middle of the Grand Prix um, it gets uncontrollable, uh, you don't know what happens. So, and that's something to look out for, certainly.
1: Hmm.
0: So, with regards to the rest of the test, you know we've spoken about the top four teams, but the other six teams. Has anything caught your eye? Who do you think has done a good job, and who do you who are you worried about? Yeah, so so Haas has really caught my eye. Caught my eye
2: actually. Um, so wow. Given where they were uh, last season, uh, it seems like uh, you naturally expect the same to happen. But it does look like they have took, based on what we've seen uh, so far with the numbers and the race pace, they have taken a step forward, and they may be. Uh, in in for a good midfield battle, hopefully. As mm. uh, so you take that with a pinch of salt, given yeah, it's testing. You can't read it fully, but certainly not looking as bad as everyone expected. Uh, and they have got a car that seems to will. You know, they seem to be able to just put it on the track and and get some decent lap time out of it. Uh, and I don't think anyone could have really predicted that they'd uh, they'd be in that situation. But we'll wait mm-hmm. and see if if it happens.
1: What do you make of Magnuson going P1 on? I think it was Friday, and then Sh- Mick Schumacher going P2 yeah. on Saturday.
2: Well, uh, there's a bit of gamesmanship in that. Obviously, <laughs> obviously all it really shows is that uh, how far off the pace the top three teams are running, and how much more they got to give. Yeah. But and obviously, there's a bit of we need sponsors. We're desperate, so we we can <laughs> put our car at the top. Uh, but the, I think there was a tweet earlier today by one of the uh, strategists at Haas, uh, Mike Caulfield, I think it is. He said that mm-hmm. um, they were running the same engine mode as Ferrari when they did that lap time. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, still that isn't the full picture because they could have been running like 100 kilos of fuel or whatever in the Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not like Ferrari, but you you don't have the full picture. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, that's kind of a, a small indicator that maybe Haas are, are not looking too bad at all. What do you think about Aston Martin? Uh, it's been hard to read them, but from what I've seen, uh, it doesn't look too good. It looks like they might have slipped a bit further down the midfield. Uh, hmm. Their car from the outside certainly doesn't look that innovative. Uh, like the, the bodywork, they've got the same Pauly as Mercedes, but you look at the bodywork and it doesn't look uh, anything near as impressive. Um, they haven't got the packaging at the rear that Mercedes have achieved. And uh, on the race pace simulations, um, it doesn't look too good. But again, read it with a pinch of salt. Um, Hopefully, uh, they can get their issues sorted out and
0: we can have a really tight midfield. What I'm going to say about Aston Martin is, Mohammed knows my feelings, I really like that green colour that they have. I really like the way that car looks. I know it's going to be slow, <laughs> but as the leaders come up each race to lap it, I'm going to enjoy seeing it on the TV. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think I think it is a, a stunning looking car. Um, it's a shame that
0: and Lance Stroll, I, I feel second year in a row, still has the best looking helmet on the grid. Yeah, yeah. It
2: does look great, um, but it's a shame that they might uh, they might not be. Uh... Yeah.
1: Arthur, you don't think the Max Verstappen number one all gold helmet isn't the best <laughs> helmet on the grid? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, not, not because of all the other reasons but I think Red Bull through the branding ruin all their drivers helmets more oh. so the AlphaTauri drivers I struggle with the AlphaTauri helmets a lot because of there's so much Red Bull branding on it that there's yeah, such little space for that. personalization whereas like you look at Lance Stroll's helmet it's, it, it, it's so simple it's clean yeah. it's and it's you can recognize him straight away. Um, And I think sometimes with a lot of extra branding, you lose that.
1: So Jordan, thank you for, you know, walking us through the teams. Um, It's going to be very exciting uh, first race, I think, uh, which is, you know, something I've been looking forward to uh, for the last few weeks. Um, But I understand, you know, you are part of the 44. We've had the 44 on our podcast before. We're massive fans of them. Uh, Do you guys have anything coming up that you'd like to talk about?
2: Uh, well, there's just a ton of content really surrounding Bahrain race, firstly. So I'm currently working on a, a testing uh, debrief uh, and then a, a preview of the Grand Prix. So that should be out uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And then we'll have uh, breakdowns of all the uh, sessions as they happen. So free practice and qualifying. Um, and there's a few uh, news pieces surrounding the season. So really just lots of content focused around uh, the new season and keeping everyone in the loop about uh, what's going to go down.
0: Loads of incredible content coming up from them. And if any of our listeners want to follow, jump on Twitter. It's at underscore the forty four. I think it's the same on Instagram. Is that right, Jordan? It is. Yeah, yeah. So we're too old for Instagram. We... <laughs> <laughs> but if if you're if you're one of the the, the cool young kids, yeah, jump on there, and uh, you've got your own website as well the dash 44.com
1: yeah and they've done an incredible job uh, all throughout the winter break and last season as well raising awareness for important issues uh holding the fia accountable and uh they're my go-to news source for a lot of things so definitely go to twitter draw on twitter and, and give them a follow i think it's, it's definitely worth it Our fr- do you know if this bahrain uh race is going to be the inner circuit or the outer circuit
0: I think it's going to be the inner one. It's going to be the longer one. It's not going to be the fun, fast, uh, high-speed George Russell one. You,
1: you know what is my favorite design of a circuit? What? Is, I think, Suzuka, the the Japanese one. It looks so cool. But that is, like, the the one kind of design circuit where I feel like they want a little Mario Kart on it in order to get that shape. <laughs> Do
0: You know, for me, what I really like is Monaco. Like, yeah. it produces... Incredibly dull races, yeah. but when you see that trophy, that design, you're like, "Wow! I, I wish I had something like that in my house. Yeah, Just put it, on it the is wall nice. Or something. Yeah. I, I really like the shape of it. It looks really, really good. And if you want to have something decorative like that in your home, either displayed on a wall or put into a frame, you can get that done now as well
1: with 3D printing from Little Prince 3D. Have you heard of them? No. Was this an ad the entire time, Arfat? Have you tricked me into an advertisement? It might
0: have been, but you should have heard of them because Little Prince 3D have given us some amazing 3D prints of circuits that we are going to be giving away to people that have joined our F1 Fantasy League. Make sure you join us because if you get the most points that week, we will send you one of these tracks that you can put up in your home, on your desk, on your wall. They look amazing and you will not be disappointed.
1: Okay, okay. But how how good are these guys? Could they do the Le Mans track if I ask for the Le Mans track?
0: You can get any circuit you want. Just search for Little Prince 3D on Etsy. Go to their shop and use the code SLOWPITSTOP. That'll give you 10% off on any of the racetrack series. And that includes the Le Mans track. And you can have anything black or white or even a custom color. Apparently lots of people have already got papaya orange for the Lando podium tracks already.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And if you want to be part of our F1 Fantasy League, we'll have the link shared uh, in the description of this episode as well as on Twitter. It's going to be a good time.
0: Should we get back to Jordan?
1: Yeah, I'm sure he's just kind of waiting for us right now.
0: <laughs> but finally, Jordan, the the real important question. Yeah. Who's going to win the Bahrain Grand Prix? Oof.
2: Now, obviously, I would never want to bet against uh, Lewis. But um, I just don't feel uh, that confident that they're going to have enough time to sort out this issue in one week. So I- I'm going to, unfortunately, against my will, go for Charles Leclerc.
0: But yeah, I, I in the same way, I feel like if I set my expectation low, it's yeah. harder for my heart to be broken. So I'm going to say Lewis P3 because I think as long as we keep consistently getting on the podium, we can get to the championship. So I'm going to say Lewis P3. In terms of P1, I think I'm going to psychologically prepare myself and just say Max Verstappen. He'll win it, and then if anything else happens, I can be – excited about it right yeah yeah i can get behind but p2, that p2 i'm gonna say i'm gonna say carlos signs my feeling is this year he's gonna get ahead of leclerc and he's gonna make that ferrari team his it's very interesting
1: yeah i, mean, I, I have
0: been, no reason for that it's just yeah it's, yeah. A, it's a weird gut yeah. feeling but
1: he's been getting better every year yeah, like definitely. you look at where he was last year then mclaren and then renault he, he's just been getting better and better so
0: exactly i, th- I think yeah. he's a real dark
1: horse yeah, how would you rank the teams though just in general you know if you had to if, if the constructors championship is decided at the end of testing jordan how do you how would you rank uh so I, I would teams? put
2: red bull first ferrari second mercedes third and i hate that but mm. that's what the current the current uh information says
1: yeah
2: but a lot can change in a week
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. For For the podium in Bahrain, I think uh, it's tough, but I think I'm going to put Max Verstappen P1 as well, only because if he had to go head-to-head with Carlos Sainz in equal machinery, which right now I think they have more or less equal machinery, I, I think Verstappen comes out ahead. But I think P2 will be either of the Ferrari drivers. I won't say, and I, you know, I, I, won't, I won't bet on which one, but I think P3 for Lewis, my hope, is Lewis to win at least five races in a row. That That's what I'm... If he does wow. that... That's... <laughs> yeah, I've not had a run like
0: that for a while. So just hopefully. that. Wow. So, Jordan, you, you put Leclerc in P1, but who are you going to have on the rest of the podium?
2: Well, I like I like that you think it's going to be uh, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, one of each. Uh, so I'll keep with that theme then. So I'll go uh, Max P2 and Lewis P3. And I hate that. But that's just... just <laughs> based on the, the current ordering. But I would say yeah. that if the regulations have worked properly and we actually have racing and you can follow the cars, it could change the whole sort of dynamics of how the strategies plays out. Because currently hmm. currently you cannot sit behind the car um, and be really optimistic about being able to undercut because there's a dirty air window and stuff. If the other drivers can just somehow sit um, in the um, the wake of the other cars, then we could have all sorts of different strategies coming out the window, like overcuts being more, um, prominent mm-hmm. and stuff. And,
0: uh, oh, like the Bridgestone days. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. who
2: knows how the strategy will unfold and maybe the first race will be run on one on race strategy because the cars were mm-hmm. a lot more raceable than anyone thought. I mean, that, that would be a dream, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, that is uh, a lot of good information and I'm glad we got to get you on because Arfa and I had all these questions that we didn't have answers to. Like I was asking him, what is a radiator? Uh, So clearly (laughs) I don't have much information, don't know a lot about how engineering works. Um, (laughs) But thank you so much, Jordan, for coming on. Um, You know, this was honestly a pleasure Uh, and hopefully we can get you back on for a couple of race recaps as well. Uh, throughout the season Um, but yeah this was this was incredible thank you so much yeah yeah, I would love to be back
2: on thank you guys it's been a pleasure
1: and to the rest of our listeners we will be back next week right after the Bahrain Grand Prix the season opener and we'll be talking about how well our predictions were and all the other crazy stuff that happened in that race so be sure to give us uh, a listen thank you everyone have a nice day This has been a production for Not That Good Media.